Hello and welcome to the TMB Podcast, where we make use of our social capital to force our friends to come on our show. <laughs> My name is Hafiz. <laughs> With me today, I have a very special guest. He is currently working as a rota commander in Jurong Island Fire Station. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, many know him for being Kilat and an exemplary leader. Others know him as a guy who shares a lot of memes on Instagram. I'm pretty sure it's the latter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pleased to welcome the second Nabil we've had on this podcast, <gasps> Nabil Jasmani. Whoa, two Nabils. <laughs> Who's the third one? Uh, we're waiting on that. All right. right. Okay, so hi Nabil, how are you today? Hi, I'm good, man. I mean, I'm not. I'm supposed to say I'm not happy, Bob, yeah. but I'm quite happy. Thanks for getting me on the show, Yep. as well as the podcast. I mean, I guess it's mm-hmm. both, right? Yep. So, uh, what have you been doing in uh, life? I just finished work today, mm. this morning. I'm quite oh, you're tired. on duty? Yeah, I was on duty yesterday. Uh. So, 24-hour shifts and then 48 hours off. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 48 hours off sounds pretty fun, mm-hmm. but that's always a lie la, if you're <laughs> an officer. Yep, yep. I think most times you do some form of office hours every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so yes, I'm not, I'm not feeling too well, actually. I'm a little bit under the weather. So, mm-hmm. if my voice sounds a lot off, right. uh, it's probably just me. Nah, it's okay. We can edit to yeah. make you sound better. Yeah, yeah. make me sound like you. <laughs> I hope not. All right, so um, let's jump into it. Can you give us um, a short introduction of yourself? Uh, so I'm 27 this year. So I actually know you from NS mm. way back when, which feels like uh, two or three lifetimes ago. I think it was uh, 10 years ago. I th- oh, wait, no. Uh, that's nine, too... I think eight, yeah. eight to nine years ago, around there. Mm. Yep. Yeah, so I, I know you from NS. Uh, mm. We were both commanders at the Special Rescue Unit. Strangely <laughs> enough, I was your <laughs> commanding officer. Yes, yes. Um, which was really strange, but hey, yeah. you know, yes. uh, I guess some friendships last multiple lifetimes. Yep. Um, so I, I think the fact that I had to reference NS kind of brings me back to who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, I mean, right now, what mm-hmm. I work as is I'm a Rota commander. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think I take myself seriously enough to be an officer sometimes, but I okay. guess uh, that's for others to find out and decide. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, so I am 27. I've been working for about two years now mm-hmm. um, and my frontline duties are coming to an end, sob sob. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And I've graduated from SMU, mm-hmm. uh, School of Political Sciences. I did a double degree, oh sorry, uh, two majors rather, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, one in political science and then the second one, which is a huge mouthful is Public policy and public management. Okay. Yeah. So... What's um, the difference? I guess political science is more systems. Mm -hmm. And then public policy is more the application of how you govern and manage uh, people, communities, public resources, that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I guess policy is more of a practical application as it is to political science, which is very theoretical. Like, we looked yeah. at a lot of electoral systems and stuff like that, which is, I mean, I guess both avenues are quite dry, but mm-hmm. I, I generally liked it. Uh, yeah. So, other than memes, I do like political science. <laughs> All right. Do you find that you make use of what you studied in your uh, current job? More policy than anything. I think mm-hmm. uh, policy analysis and policy design analysis, which are two courses that I took in SMU, mm-hmm. um, they were very useful to looking at some policies within SCDF or reviewing mm-hmm. them or even just suggesting them. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess 
I can sort of talk about it. I'm not too sure. Um, but mm-hmm. I have been reviewing some form of framework within the CTF as part of my job. Mm. Um, mostly because something had happened at work and then I was kind of arrowed to do it. Because okay. uh, that's, that's how it always works, right? <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. without going t- into too much detail, mm-hmm. um, I think if I had not taken a policy design class, mm-hmm. I would not have been able to look at the problem environment as a system and approach it in a way that it becomes a systemic approach to looking at how multiple actors, multiple networks kind of interact with each other to basically influence or even develop um, a specific outcome Mm. or observed behavior from personnel as well as within units and departments. Mm. Which I guess sounds a lot like jargon. (laughs) <laughs> to people who don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, man, so I've just been like, spacing out. Yeah, so yeah it's, mm. it's like two, two layers, right? It's like one is SCDF, which yeah. I guess most of Singapore doesn't know about or doesn't know that much about. Um, mm. Then the second layer is policy, which I guess most people, which I guess puts most people to sleep. Mm. So yeah, enough about that. Let's get on to the more interesting <laughs> things. Um, I guess, oh, yeah. what else can I say about myself? All right. Um, why don't you talk about what you do for work? Because we've, be, we've just been saying, oh, you're a rota commander, rota commander. Why is a rota and what do you command? Right. Uh, I command nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so a rota is basically short for rotation. Mm-hmm. I have been told it's French. Um, rotation. But rotation. Rotation. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think we yeah. might need to cut that out. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> anyway, um, a rota is basically a rotation. Yeah. Um, and I guess for our army boys out there... Um, shout out to them. Shout, shout out. Yeah. Protecting oh, us. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Um, it's basically a platoon, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think even SRU goes by rotas now, mm-hmm. whereas we used to be called a platoon oh, back okay. when we were serving, right? right. right? Okay. Um, but now everyone is called rota because essentially it functioned the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically a shift is a rota okay. and a rota is a shift. Mm. So if you're part of rota 3, yeah. which I am now, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm part of rota 2. Oh, we were in rota 3. Yeah, we're in rota 3. That's, that's right. Yeah. So uh, if you're part of rota 3, like we were, or platoon yeah. 3, we'd follow the same shift every single time. Mm. So okay. we'd work for 24 hours mm-hmm. at a time, 365 days a year, mm-hmm. um, and then we'd have 48 hours off. So we'd have one 24-hour shift and then we have two days off and then we have another 24-hour shift somewhere in between. And it just goes on and, and on. it just goes on and on and on, right? Mm. Until you finish or until you post out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess it does get repetitive at some point, uh, but I guess uh, every single day is dynamic because even though uh, some stations, like my current one, may not have as many calls, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things going on in each day. So I guess it's never truly boring. It's not as routine as a desk job for sure. Mm, okay. What are some of your like daily tasks when you're on duty? So, um, it's actually a whole list, mm-hmm. and I don't think I want to list it out right now. But basically, okay. what are the more interesting things that you do? Um, every morning, part of our handing over, taking over that takes about an hour. Mm-hmm. We'll be checking a lot of our equipment. We'll be mm-hmm. checking a lot of our appliances. Which, uh, fun fact, appliance also means vehicle. Mm, uh, I, I guess in our context, like microwave and oven. yeah, yeah. So appliances, yeah, exactly. Kitchen appliances, <laughs> fire appliances, you know, medical turn up, appliances. Turn out oven one for one. Oven one for one. That's uh, that's actually what we call a microwave. Oh, is it? Yeah. There's one for one, one for two, and one for three. One for three is the non-halal one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we check our appliances for about an hour every day. Mm. Then. We have equipment drills that last about another hour. Then mm. we have a little bit of downtime. Then we have lunch. 
Then after lunch, we have our ops routine. So that looks at stuff we do outside of firefighting. So we don't just respond. Yes, we're on call 24-7. Mm-hmm. But we also have other tasks that we do, some of which includes uh, enforcement, mm-hmm. which is basically us going out to different premises, different companies, um, and to check basically what they're doing, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and to make sure that everything is up to code, fire safety-wise. I think that's an important part of what makes Singapore safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I sound like the typical government servant now. <laughs> um, I, I, I believe in what I do most right. of the time. So I guess that's why I sound like that. Um, but yeah, so it does get somewhat boring sometimes because some companies, you know, they just play along mm. all the time. So you can't really catch them or fault them or anything. Right. Maybe we shouldn't put this into the <laughs> clip. But basically, we have an ops routine where we go out and do hydrant testing, um, enforcement, ops surveys, um, high-risk installation, drill planning, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's part of what makes it dynamic because it's always a different company, a different area, a different geographical location, even though it's all within your same boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we have PT, which is a lot of PT. Mm-hmm. And then we break for dinner. We have night lecture every single night. Mm-hmm. Sorry, so PT is physical training. Right? Physical training, yeah. Okay. Physical training, sorry. Uh, abbreviations, mm-hmm. typical Singaporean. <laughs> uh, right, so we have physical training. Uh, we have quite a bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um and then we have night lecture, following which we have another brato at 10 a.m., which is, sorry, 10 p.m., which is basically fall-in time mm-hmm. where everybody gathers again. And then we do our nightly routine, which mm-hmm. is cleaning up at the station, etc., etc. Then we wake up at 5.50 to do a um, our chemical Training. attack drill, yep. which lasts about an hour. Mm-hmm. And then we have our baris, which is everyone's favorite time. I'm not sure if you remember your time in baris. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it was, it's very different from station, right, in SRU. Oh, yeah, I mean, I guess when we were there, um, now it's very similar already. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that's pretty much a full 24 hours. Mm, okay. What is uh, life on Jurong Island like? Is uh, it very quiet, quiet. Quiet. Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing, right? Because mm. when things go down there, they really go down. Yeah. So yeah. you haven't turned out for any big calls so far? Um, I haven't. My ruta has. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, I've just been turning out for random like decams calls in the mm-hmm. middle of the night, which is basically fire alarms going off. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are late fire calls. I can't talk about them. Mm-hmm. But basically, the only call that I guess is prolific, and it has been in the news, so I can talk about it, is the uh, road traffic accident that happened mm-hmm. somewhat nearby my station, which was, I guess, quite opportune <laughs> for the people there because the response was much faster. Right. But there was basically a bus that collided with a car. It was the car's fault, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I shouldn't be saying it that way, but basically two vehicles kind of collided. And then there were multiple people injured. So I think the casualty count was about 22, 23, around there. It's really high. Were they seriously injured? Uh, Thankfully, no. So I think most of them were minor injuries. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some bruises, some knocks, some scrapes here and there. Mm. Uh, Very minimal bleeding, thankfully. So we got a P3 ambulance, which is basically a multiple casualty ambulance to ferry a lot of these people out. Mm-hmm. for medical attention other than the timely intervention that my emergency medical technicians could give mm-hmm. right so the these people were just workers on Jurong Island la. yeah like pretty they much they were on a shuttle bus on the way to work yeah. oh on the way to work right because they were actually going in not mm. coming out yeah mm. okay uh, right so um, before that you were from Sentosa right yeah before that I was from Sentosa yeah was that any different from working on GI oh very much so I think um, when we think of our firefighters, um, even throughout Singapore, all of them from different stations have a different set of skills, I guess. 
Excuse me. Yeah. Well, guess. <laughs> um, so I guess when you think about, let's say, Amokyo, which was the station I was a part of a long time ago, mm-hmm. it looked at a lot of um, residential fires or that kind of nature of call. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you compare it to Marina Bay, which also was a station I was a part of. How many stations were you from, man? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I've been posted pretty much everywhere. Right. I think the only di- division I haven't gone to is 4th Div. 4th Division. Yeah. I'm from 4th Div. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so, as an NS man. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's cool. Thank yeah. you for your service. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I guess when you compare each station, they all have their own challenges, their own unique terrain that they sort of specialize in. Sentosa has a lot of old buildings, a lot of narrow roads, as well as a lot of tourist attractions. Mm-hmm. So the places of interest that people tend to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my most memorable call in Sentosa was one that I had to rescue a monkey that was trapped in a lift chamber. Wait, a monkey? Yeah, it was a monkey. How did it get in? Um, so I'm not sure if you know, or maybe you could like, cut and superimpose a picture of, of Fort Siloso Skywalk. Oh, okay. not, not of the monkey, <laughs> okay. of a monkey, okay, but Fort, basically... Fort Siloso Skywalk, right? Fort Siloso Skywalk has an open lift chamber. So okay. it's like those bubble lifts that you see in a, in a mall. Oh, okay, okay, right, 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 right. yeah, yeah. Um, so the lift itself will move up and down. Mm, yes. But then the chamber is totally open. Right, it's just like and the it's metal beams. Kind yeah, of. it's just like three metal struts, I believe. Yeah. And then basically those function as rails mm. and then the lifts can go up and down. Mm. Um... So, it's also right next to the Fort Siloso Nature Trail, mm-hmm. which has wild macaques, okay. long-tailed macaques. Um, I only know this because the vet from Acres told me that it was a long-tailed macaque. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, what had happened was that a monkey had climbed or hopped on into one of the lift chambers. Mm. And I'll tell you why later, and it's really sad. Okay. But basically, there were four people inside, four tourists. I think they were from Spain, if I'm not mistaken. I vaguely recall they were from Spain. Um, we responded to a lift rescue, mm-hmm. right? But unbeknownst to us, it was actually because of said monkey. Mm-hmm. And what had happened was that the lift was stuck. Like half the lift was stuck at the last floor's landing. Mm-hmm. So there's only two floors in Fort Siloso. Mm-hmm. So level one, which is the ground floor, that you, you get on. And then where you get off is level two. Okay. But it's actually 14 stories up. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really high. Uh, it's, a, it's a pain to climb up. Uh. So yes. we had to climb up, right? Right. So we, I had to go up, assess the situation. And I had to tell my guys. And we only had one DO pump turn out, which is the main duty officer pump turning okay. out. Yep. So I had to tell my guys, okay, get so-and-so equipment, this and that. Mm-hmm. And we managed to get the guys out very quickly. So I think time elapsed was only about 20 minutes from arrival to mm-hmm. extrication of the four casualties. All right. And then we realized that the lift had been stuck because there was a monkey inside. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get the monkey down was to get acres to help because we don't have sedation. Mm-hmm. We don't have any form of getting these monkeys up. All right. So what had happened was that we had to wait for acres to come down. We had to wait for the vet to administer a dosage that would knock the monkey out. Sedate the monkey. Yeah, sedate, sedate the monkey. And then... Um, we had to work with one of the Acres um, rescuers, which just so happened to also be an ex-SCDF staff. So thank you for your service if you're listening. <laughs> um, so himself, myself, and my DRC who had come down yeah. just to assist me in the call because I had a pump full of NSFs and I was the only one in the lift chamber before my DRC came. Mm-hmm. It was quite scary because um, the ladder that I pitch shifted 
Mm-hmm. And that was really scary because if it shifts and it falls, and and that's it for me, yeah, right? Because it's just a 14-story sheer drop off. Yeah. Because there's nothing for me to hold on to. I mean, I was in a fall arrest system harness and everything like that. So mm-hmm. I, I was pretty safe, but yeah. you know, it's still scary. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so the reason why the monkey had gotten stuck, and I guess mm-hmm. I can go a little bit more graphic mm-hmm. with the details, but the monkey's right arm was totally wrenched off. So oh. it was like twisted off, and then yeah. like it was just like a socket that was there. Wow. So the bones were jutting out. Uh, there was quite a lot of blood, but a lot of it had dried up already. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of pee as well. So I think mm-hmm. through shock, the monkey had started defecating itself as well, also urinating itself. Yeah. Um, and the whole reason why, and we only found out once we got the monkey down, mm-hmm. was because it was pregnant and it was trying to look for a nice, quiet place for it to give birth. Oh, man. Yeah, so... Um, Unfortunately, even though we managed to rescue it and bring it down, yeah. um, because A, it's a wild macaque, yeah. and the damage it sustained was too severe, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was also pregnant, yeah. um, Akers had decided to put it down mm. for the better, because you can't mm. really rehabilitate. Yeah, uh, yeah. Without uh, one arm, it's very hard for it to survive, Yeah, you right? can't really release it back into the wild, and yeah, yeah there's a lot of factors as well. So yeah, yeah that's... That's oh a, man. That's my most memorable call. Yeah. Uh, this is such a sad story though. It is, it is. It's it's sort of sad. Yeah. I mean it's really sad, yeah. Why did it go into the lift though? Of all places. I don't know. I mean, we can't really ask it oh, anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh man. Ah, that's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so sad for the the monkey. Yeah, same. I thought you were going to say like somebody lured it with food or something but then like No, no, no. Uh, it, it went all on its own accord yeah. which I guess is sadder. Yeah. No, I guess that's less sad actually. I guess, yeah. Because like mean, you would believe that you know there was some higher power or like it was its time mm. as opposed to it being like human maliciousness mm. or ill intent. Right, right. Right? Yeah. So I guess you can't like you can't blame man. Yeah. You can blame man for a lot of horrible atrocious things. Yeah. But in this one instance, it you just, can't really say it. It just happened, right? It just kind of happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so sad. Yeah. I remember, because uh, I was also quite scared yeah. of falling off the ladder. <laughs> right. um, and because I, I was quite scared of falling off the ladder, right. um, I had, when I climbed, I told the monkey, like, hey, look, I'm here to rescue you. Please <laughs> right. don't thrash about. Yeah. Uh, like, don't make any sudden moves because, like, yeah. you know, like, calm down. Like, don't bite me or anything like that. Yeah. And... In some strange way, it, it looked really sad and it looked like it understood what I was saying. Yeah. So it remained really calm, even though we were trying to move things about. So basically, mm-hmm. um, it had an arm totally wrenched off mm-hmm. um, and stuck on the pulley cable. Mm-hmm. It had another arm pinched, as well as another leg on the other side pinched on the other side of the pulley cable. Mm. Right. So all in all, it, it was just pretty badly stuck. Yeah. Yeah. How, so we had how, to ask... How did you the, get it out? Right. So... We had to ask... So what we did was we... Oh, sorry. What we did was we... We jammed the elevator. Mm -hmm. Sorry, elevator? Yes, elevator. Elevator, yes. We jammed the elevator doors open Mm -hmm. and we put wedges as well as an Mm E-RAM to make sure that it doesn't drop. Mm, We also locked it in place with the Abang Otis help. Mm -hmm. So we had an Otis lift technician on hand as well. He was really knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. So what we had done was that we had... We had him go down and free the cable mm-hmm. so that we could then release it from the pulley system mm-hmm. to get the monkey out. To, yeah. yeah. Right. All this while it was sedated really. Yeah. Right. So we had to wait for the vets to come down, administer the dosage, and then when we sedated it, 
then we mm-hmm. released it from the cable and we managed to get it out. Mm-hmm. Right. That's really sad. Let's take a moment for the monkey. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, monkey. I sure I led a brilliant life. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back a bit to um, your secondary school days. So um, can you tell us a bit more about where you went to secondary school at? Right. I guess I should sit a little bit closer to the mic. But ah, yeah. um, where did I go to secondary school? I guess it's different from a lot of people in Singapore because mm-hmm. um, especially for my batch, I think that that remains true because uh, I was from School of the Arts, Singapore. Mm-hmm. I was part of the Pioneer Batch. Um, I was also a little bit special because mm-hmm. I didn't actually join the time that the rest joined. I joined about seven months later because mm-hmm. I was still from St. Andrew's Secondary. So I actually mm-hmm. did one and a half years of secondary school in St. Andrew's Secondary mm-hmm. um, as well as primary school in SAJS, which is St. Andrew's Junior. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so SOTA, I majored in, you want to take a gander in what I majored in? So back in my day, there were only four yep. art forms. Theatre. Theatre, yeah. Music. Mm-hmm. Dance. Mm-hmm. And visual arts. I want to say dance. Yes, you are absolutely wrong. I'm ah, <laughs> dang it. I, I took theatre. Uh, okay, um, that was going to be my second guess. Yeah, fair. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. cool. Most people would have guessed Malay. Malay? Yeah, uh, sorry. Most people would have guessed <laughs> visual arts. Oh, okay. Sorry. Because <laughs> of, of the fact that I'm Malay, right? Why? What's the correlation? I don't know. Most people just go, oh yeah, because you're Malay, so visual arts. Yeah. I, guess, I guess it's a racist assumption. I don't know. Right. But I mean, to begin with, they wouldn't even guess you're from Sota, right? If you're Malay. Is there a very sizable Malay Oh, population? maybe. Yeah. yeah. You're, yeah. Ah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. So they, they were first Oh, fun ask, fact. Yeah. I was the only Malay boy yeah. in Sota for four years. Yeah, exactly. You see? Yeah. Yeah, I mean five, five actually. Yeah, because there was one guy who took Malay and he mm. was male. Yeah, but he, he was wasn't. Indian. Ah, yeah. okay. And he's a doctor now. Ah, yes. Yeah. Nice. Saving really lives. Cool guy. Yeah, saving lives in a different capacity. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, how was it like, um, being in Sota, as opposed to like being in a normal secondary school? Since you said you were from Saint Andrews, right? Before that. Right. Um, I guess with the class sizes it was a lot more attention in terms of tutoring. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, I think in St. Andrews, I had 40-something students to a class, mm-hmm. to one teacher. Mm-hmm. And then in Sota, it was like 20-something. So it's a lot smaller. You get a lot more attention. You get a lot more, I guess, curated learning mm-hmm. and, and tutelage mm-hmm. for, your, for yourself. Um, and it was so, I guess... I mean, I guess it was so specialized because like in my year, we only had four Malay students across. One of them is a dancer. One of them is a musician. Uh, and then one two of them are... visual arts. No, no. no. <laughs> two of them were thespians. So myself and another student. Yeah. Uh, I was also the only male there. So that was cool. Um, coming from an all-male environment in SASS. Mm-hmm. In SAS. Um, and coming to SOTA. I guess... Um, the curriculum there was truly different because we were encouraged to be different, to speak ourselves, speak our truths. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just own you in every fiber of your being. We were also encouraged to be like critical. We took things like, um, I guess, the normal school, sorry, to anyone else from a normal school. Yeah. Get on my level. Um, <laughs> I was from a normal school. <laughs> uh, that explains so much. I'm ah. kidding. Uh, <laughs> Um, 
I guess the, the, the equivalent is like KI, which is knowledge. Knowledge and inquiry. Query, yeah. yeah. So we did theory of knowledge, which is basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Or I guess a little bit deeper. Um, I guess the main comparison that since everyone likes to compare, right, mm-hmm. even if it's apples to oranges, mm-hmm. is that um, when you compare the SOTA curriculum, which spanned six years, mm-hmm. so we did both secondary school and JC, mm-hmm. is that the IB trains you for breadth mm-hmm. and interconnectivity and interdisciplinary thinking, whereas um, for A-levels, it's a lot more depth. Mm-hmm. So I guess one really good comparison is literature. So those who took A-level lit, Mm. I, I took a level it. Yeah, I think how many books did you do? I did uh, in total five books. I right, think. we for for it for IB literature yeah. uh, at HL. I think we took thirty six books. Thirty six books. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, which is it was a it was a chore. <laughs> la. Yeah, it was a heckin' chore. We had right. so many essays to write. I guess I I think the one thing that really really helped out yeah. of like, you know be it good or bad in mm. SOTA was that it really trained me for university. Because mm, like, right. independent sounds, research like and stuff like that. like a university kind of course where you're doing one book every week, that kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing, basically. Yeah. It's like, it really is very similar to um, university lesson structures. So most, mm. especially in SMU, because I was in SMU, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the teaching methods were practically the same. It was this thing called the Socratic method, oh, which is people had, to, yeah, like yeah. people had to come down with the material already prepped. So ah, it wasn't okay. the teacher teaching you what you're supposed to learn yeah. for the week. It's you're supposed to already you. know what you're supposed to know for the week. And mm. then you're supposed to ask questions and contribute right. and all that kind of ish. I mean, as like 16, 17, 18 year olds, we didn't really care. Mm-hmm. So it was mostly the teacher telling us stuff as well. Mm. But, uh, you know, some students will always spoil market and like university. Mm. Most people yeah. don't do their readings. And then there's one guy, <laughs> not me, by the way, yeah. I, was, I was a slacker. Um... Yeah, so I think SOTA really prepared me for, for university mm-hmm. um, just because of how the excuse me curriculum was structured, the number of essays they had to write at 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess most people reread their essays. Nah, not me, man. And then, and then, <laughs> and then they cringe. Yeah. But, okay, so for most of my essays, even like within uni, right, like year yeah. one to year four, looking at the comparison of the writing quality and the depth and everything like that, mm-hmm. I would still cringe. Mm-hmm. But I'm still strangely proud of what 17-slash-18-year-old Nabil wrote for his extended essay, which was a 4,000-word essay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess uh, we all start from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I mention essays because like, out of... Like, I suck at math. Yeah. Right? I think the only math I can do is statistics and only when it's applied to like the social sciences. Mm. Like if you ask me to do algebra and like calculus and all that. Trigo. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I guess trigo because trigo is shapes. So yeah. it's, I, I it's a lot trigo. easier for me to imagine shapes and yeah. like understand the rules and stuff like that. Mm. But like if it's just numbers or letters, oh, I suck at it. Mm. But yeah, so like in terms of strengths and weaknesses, like I knew or I knew from a very early age that I'm really good at languages. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the spoken word, the written word, that kind of stuff, I'm, I tend to do fairly well at it. Mm-hmm. So I'm quite proud of the fact that in SMU, I've never received an essay below an A minus. Wow. Throughout my four years, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Even the group essays. Yeah. Eh, yeah, even the group essays. Most of the time, I would synthesize group essays for my, for my group work project. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't do anything. I yeah. just kind of manage and supervise. 
Right. I guess the rota commander. <laughs> so you're already a rota commander back in India. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> Just telling people what to do, right? Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. bossy. So that's the only thing you can take away from this, right? If it's only one thing, is that I'm bossy. Yeah. So you're like, essay move. Essay move. Sana pa orang. Essay move. I guess we didn't really have like ASMR or like as many people into Mac keyboards at that point. Uh, I think yeah. you're into Mac keyboards, right? Yeah, I, I love my Magic Keyboard. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. So, right. yeah. That, um, so I guess, I guess just, just to circle back a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, Sota, I mean, it wasn't all roses for mm. me, um, but it did have a very big role and also like shout out to my teachers in Sota. Mm. They had a very big role in shaping me to be the person who I am today. Um, on, on the one hand, I think it made me sort of unique because mm-hmm. like in terms of, even if I'm currently a boring person, which I mm-hmm. honestly believe I am, but Hafiz thinks that I'm not. Um, You're not. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, so like, even if I am a boring person, I think it's still a little bit different from like the cookie cutter kind of education system that most Singaporeans go to, mm-hmm. go through, sorry. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm thankful for that. But on the other hand, I think it was negative because like when I went to NS, yeah. which is the total opposite of what, you know, an artistic education teaches. Because right. instead of being you and the best possible version of you, you're just supposed to conform. I had yeah, a lot suppress. of trouble. You have to suppress. Yeah, you lot. have to suppress all of that, right? You just yeah. have to be another rank and file, especially when I was a recruit and stuff like that. So mm. it, it took some adjusting. I remember being um, ostracized a little, mm. especially during my recruit days. Um, but yeah, I think I managed to convince people that you know, I'm just slightly different because of my mm. education and my upbringing and stuff like that. But like, all in all, I think NS-wise, I, I had a lot of fun in NS as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think yeah, you could see that when you were posted to the unit, right? It's like, um, I think people are not used to your kind, your style of leadership, but after a while, they realise that it's actually, uh, it's, uh, it's good, it's effective, and they just, uh, they learn to work with you lah. I guess so. Do you, do you feel that way? I don't know. I hope. I hope. So. <laughs> I, I mean, I personally, mean, I I felt you had a different style of leadership as opposed to like the like the previous commanders where it's all like just listen to me kind of thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I I don't know if it's my theater training, mm-hmm. or the fact that you know I I believe in systems of governance like democracy and like yeah. you know like, I I want things to be equitable mm-hmm. and as much as in a system that relies so much on rank and file. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, and, and hierarchy. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of the day to day, you should approach leadership in a corroborative way. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, executive decision making has to fall on some people, mm-hmm. and unfortunately for me, it tends to fall on me because of the rank, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I was at that time also an NSF, right. the same or rather in a similar position as you and the rest of the of the gang. Um, or the crew, sorry, I mean, we shouldn't say the word gang. <laughs> the rest of the, of the platoon. Of the members. Of the members, <laughs> of the gang, of the kaki, you know. Um, hey, gang, what's up? Um, so I guess, I guess, yeah, I, I approached, and, and even now, I think if you ask my guys at GI and at Sentosa, mm-hmm. um, I did approach leadership in that similar way as well. Because mm-hmm. I think empowering the ground and then raising the ground is very important especially when you've been given the wonderful opportunity to lead and be put in a position for you to, to bring others with you. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there's no point in rising alone mm-hmm. when you could rise together. All right. Yeah. That's like, it's like that saying, right? One, one of the leadership sayings. 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't like walk. Okay. Uh, I'll if you want to general, go, yeah. If you want to go, go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, go together or something like that, right? Yeah, some something. Some I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure you hit it, hit the nail on the head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hit the head on the nail. Yeah. Hit the head on the nail. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that would injure someone. Hey, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I could respond because I'm basic uh, person trained. So yeah, okay. I'll do it in front of GI. Please don't. <laughs> Wait, can I even get into JI? No, you can't. I can't, right? Yeah, it's super high security there. Yeah. I just swim in. <laughs> You'd probably be <laughs> shot on site. <laughs> okay. Alright, so back in SOTA, right? Do you have any extracurricular activities that you did? Other than like school? Yeah, so the one thing that was sort of interesting about SOTA mm-hmm. was that we had normal lessons. So it wasn't just like an art school. Because we did the IB, right? Mm-hmm. So we had math, science, and everything. I took biology, literature, um, anthropology, which mm. is sort of the reason why I really liked the social sciences and humanities mm-hmm. um, specifically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so basically because of theater practice as well, mm-hmm. which took up like a whole day slot, right? we had to do both. So most days I ended quite late in SOTA. Yep. Um, but yes, I did have... What's up? Sorry, just adjust this because the sun is coming in. Right. right, sorry. Wouldn't that be aesthetic though? Nah, Sun streaming in, <laughs> highlights. Like, wow. Dreamy. Man- manic pixie dream girls. <laughs> okay, so um, back to the topic at hand. Mm-hmm. One day in... Uh, right, right. So our day. days tend to be like quite long. So like, we, we would normally be from like 8 to like 6. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sota had quite a small male population. So we did tend to like playing sports. So most of the time we play football. Or floorball because we had a pretty nice hall, mm-hmm. um, and back when we were at Goodman Road, we had a very nice field. So sometimes we play touch rugby as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So other than that, I did I I did pick up two hobbies. I guess not really cause of Sota. Mm-hmm. Oh no, one of them wasn't really cause of Sota. It was just something that I did in JC, and I'm still doing now actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about that later. Mm-hmm. But the other hobby that I did pick up in Sota, specifically because of one guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Chan Wang Kin. Okay. Shout out to you, Wanks, which is what we call him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just met him today, right? Because right. I just played a, a round of draft yeah. with him. Is is this super nerdy pastime of mine, which is called Magic the Gathering. Oh, wow. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> it's a trading card game. Trading card game, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually really old. It's uh, 28 years old this year. Mm. So it released in 1993. So older than us. Oh, yeah. Because we were both born in 94. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. So it's about a year older than us. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked it up in 2011 mm-hmm. or maybe 2010, around then. Right. Year four, is it, of your... Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And I picked it up solely because of Wanks. Mm. And I've been playing it ever since. Right. I've moved from competitive magic to more casual formats. And I think... I found the one format that I've been playing consistently for the past eight years, I believe. Mm-hmm. So back in 2010, I played Standard, which was basically a rotational format. So mm-hmm. you, you built a deck of 60 cards and it's very similar to Yu-Gi-Oh! Like how you'd play mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh! Right? You'd have four yep. of each card mm-hmm. and you can't have more than four of the same copy. Uh, yes, yes. You can have and, more than four. Yeah, yep. that, that kind of stuff. And then you play that. Mm-hmm. So I've changed to a singleton format, which runs 100 cards. Mm. Um, and it's called Commander okay. or Elder Dragon Highlander for those of you who are in the know. Okay. Um, it's a really fun format. I think I love it because it's a social thing. Because mm-hmm. um, instead of like competitive 1v1, which sometimes tends to get like very 
sweat lord kind of what does that mean <laughs> i don't know like magic players have this reputation about them i would like to think that i'm nothing near it which yeah. is part of the reason why i stopped playing competitively as well okay but um as nerdy i think because of how nerdy the pastime is mm-hmm. you would have a lot of very nerdy people playing it mm, like the stereotypical yeah the stereotypical kind of glasses. like sweaty yeah. glasses poor hygiene yeah. really poor social skills yeah very competitive as well. So yep. like, you'd refer to these people as spikes. Spikes. Okay. Yeah. Because they're very spiky in nature. They're not very warm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. there's a spike in every one of us, which is okay. basically, <laughs> <laughs> there's a spike in every one of us in the sense that I guess most people play a game to win, yeah. even if it's a multiplayer casual format. Mm-hmm. I mean, winning feels nice, right? So mm-hmm. I guess some people, to, to varying degrees, like I have decks that range from different power levels and like mm-hmm. there are multiple podcasts um, on on like the whole format as a, as a whole thing as an entity in itself mm-hmm. how to power scale because uh, it's, it's it's a like, it's I could be extensive. talking for yeah, yeah it's it's super developed yeah right and that's part of the reason why I like the format mm-hmm. um, but also the main reason why I like the format and this is especially true when I first started out mm-hmm. was that it was very budget a, it was really budget. B, it was non-rotational. So you could invest in a card and not have to change it up once because it doesn't rotate. So oh, it yeah. wouldn't suddenly be obsolete. Part of the reason why I love the game as well is because mm-hmm. it has this complicated, but actually not really, thing mm-hmm. called the stack. Okay. What is the stack? It's last in, first out. So what that means is that you have certain spells that you can cast at any time mm-hmm. and in response to somebody else's spell. Okay. So if you put a spell, yeah. I can have a specific window to respond to that spell. Okay. And then in a multiplayer game, you could have multiple people stack on loads of different cards and interactions. And then the stack could be sky high. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to all sit down and, and discuss how the rules work and how all the <laughs> and how the stack resolves, basically. That's what it means. Right. Okay. Um and at the same time you can also sneak in stupid synergies. I have one friend. Yep. His name is Ryan. Okay. He loves squirrels. Okay. So <laughs> his deck, which is backbreaking, yeah. revolves around resolving this combo that goes infinite, making one one squirrel token creatures. Okay. So it's a whole interaction. He taps a card to make a squirrel. The squirrel enters the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And then that results in another effect triggering, untapping the thing that makes him tap the card. Okay. Then he taps again and he makes infinite squirrels. Alright. And what does this do? And then he can wait a turn order or he can cast something that will make all his squirrels have haste. Yeah. And then he can whack everyone with all the squirrels. So if you make right. an infinite amount of squirrels, you have an infinite amount of damage even though you all want ones. Yeah. You can reduce everyone's life total down to zero. So you basically win. Then you win the game. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I think Commander allows for a lot of creativity. Mm-hmm. And I guess now that I don't do the arts as much anymore, mm-hmm. this is one of the ways that I can express... Um, I guess my own personality. Like playing this format allows you to express yourself. Yeah. In a way. And it's just good fun. I mean, I play Commander with friends and beyond anything, it's just three hours every few weeks Mm -hmm. to sit down and play Mm -hmm. and catch up. Because like, you know, you're playing, you're resolving the most busted things in Magic. You're Mm -hmm. playing weird interactions and you're trying, one one moment you're winning and then some guy just says, wait, wait, I have a response to that. And then you're losing now and you're just like, ah, you interrupted my combo or man, I was going to resolve that spell. Why would you have to do that? And then like, sometimes (laughs) it's a lot of salt. Yeah. Most times, I think every time it's a lot of laughs. Mm, Because again, 
we tend to play stupid meme decks every now and then. Not mm. to say they're not powerful. Some yeah. of them really are quite powerful, uh, especially Ryan's decks. Mm-hmm. And I guess mine as well. Right. But mm-hmm. I think um, everyone loves the game for a different reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I love some of the art. One of my favorite artists out there is Seb McKinnon. Yeah. His artwork is beautiful. Um, and I guess I could show you images. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's, there's lots of aspects to love about it. There's the Vorthos element, which is basically going into like the lore and the story behind things. And then mm-hmm. some people make decks that are themed around that storyline. Mm-hmm. So like right. they only reference or they only use cards that reference certain characters or stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yep. Or they use only cards in a certain set or a certain mm-hmm. block. Uh, I tend to not do that. Mm-hmm. I do have a tribal deck though. It's all dragons because they are one of the most powerful creatures in Magic and it's just really fun to beat face with it. Right. It's not... It's powerful in the sense that you cast big creatures and swing for a lot of damage. And most times that wins games very quickly. Mm-hmm. But it's also very easy to stop because once somebody takes control of your creatures or mm-hmm. do certain things that, that kind of messes up with your plans, you just kind of sit there. Yeah, so there's lots of ways to play. And yeah. I think Commander really is the format to show off how vastly different it is. So something else that I started during SOTA mm-hmm. was Blading. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I didn't really start Blading per se. I started Aggressive Inline, which is a specific type of Blading. Right. But I've been rollerblading since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I was seven or eight, I picked it up because I was really lucky as a kid and I still really am lucky now because I've had no loving parents and they spoiled me quite a bit with a lot of hobbies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess I never went for martial arts classes and stuff like that. And I never went for piano and any other instruments. Mm-hmm. So all I did was swimming. But my dad did encourage and introduce me. It did introduce me to and encourage me to continue doing a lot of different sports. Mm-hmm. At least to try out what, what I liked doing. So I had a skateboard growing up. Uh, wasn't really that good at it. Mm-hmm. I can still drop in on ramps and I like, do 50-50s and stuff, but I suck at flatland. So mm-hmm. I can't ollie for nuts, which is a trick that right. is like the base trick that allows you to unlock other tricks because yeah. it's kind of like your foundation. So I can't do that. I've tried, trust me. Um, I was doing BMX as well for a point of time mm-hmm. uh, when I was slightly older. I had a kick scooter. and so I had, Is it like a normal scooter? Yeah, like, you know, the... Scooter, you kick. Yes. Yeah, the scooter. I mean, you don't kick the scooter. <laughs> you, you kick the floor. The floor, yeah. And then you move around. Yeah, and you yeah. zoom about, right? Right. Um... So yeah, uh, and I also had inline skating. Mm-hmm. So uh, right now, I guess quad skating is making a comeback. What's quad skating? It's the roller skates, which has four wheels. Ah, right, right. Like those uh, roller rings. Like yeah, yeah, the rings. kind. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did inline skating, which is four wheels straight mm-hmm. in a line. Inline oh, skating. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Genius <laughs> names. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So I did that a lot as a child. Um, I got to about secondary school uh, and then I kind of stopped. And then when I was about 17, I picked it up again because I met an old friend. I had sort of bumped into an old friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was already in Sota at that point in time. Um, And he was still in St. Andrews, if I'm not mistaken. So I bumped into him and I was like, hey, cool, how are you? And the kind of stuff. I was like, oh, I didn't know you could rollerblade and skate park. And he's like, Oh, yeah, you could. You want to give it a try? I was like, yeah, cool. Yeah. So I picked it up and I instantly fell in love because, you know, I really love skating as a child. And mm-hmm. I still like cycling now. I guess not not in the BMX kind of sense. Mm-hmm. I like, I, I have a fixie and I have a little uh, cruiser that I just kind of assembled on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that later. But blading, uh, blading has helped me through a lot. Um, it, it's 
also another way to express oneself. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I love about it. Like, um, again, I was saying that I am probably not very good at it. <laughs> uh, all things considered, yeah. when you look at the talent out there, even in Singapore, right? People are doing crazy, insane, beautiful, amazing things mm-hmm. on rollerblades. And I don't think I'm at that level. But again, any lay person who doesn't play it or who sort of plays a little bit mm-hmm. would see what I can do and they go, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. So I guess I shouldn't shortchange myself. Mm, right. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is that everyone likes blading for different reasons. In the same way that people like magic for different reasons mm-hmm. uh, or whatever other hobby that people do, right? right? Some people like doing podcasts. Some people like creating content. Some people like playing an instrument. Mm-hmm. And you may not be good at it, right. but as long as you enjoy it, I think that's like the key that's thing the, that yeah, I want to try and get across, right? Yeah. And yeah, I thoroughly enjoy bleeding. I haven't been doing it as much since I started work because, you know, risk of injury. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm just way too tired from shift and training and stuff like that. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm also part of an organization mm-hmm. uh, called the Roller Freestyle Association of Singapore. So shout out rfas.sg. Give them mm-hmm. a follow. Right. <laughs> um, they host the competition and as well as an online video entry submission so mm-hmm. everyone is welcome you don't need to be part of like the local aggressive inline scene to do anything mm-hmm. just tag them for whatever con- contest that they, they put up for their weekly video submission mm-hmm. for that week and then you're good to go right so again um, I guess with this contest that's ongoing you can really see that the community is super diverse you have people of all ages like we have like 40 year, forty plus year olds still blading still killing it on skates right. you have like kids who are taking it up like girls as well mm-hmm. like very young girls taking it up and like killing it as well like doing spins and tricks and stuff that yeah, it's really stuff. cool yeah um, I guess when you look at different people blade it's also and to kind of circle back at that, that idea of expression right and self-expression mm-hmm. the way they dress the style they blade in how they look doing certain tricks like everyone can do a soul okay most people can do a soul grind but no soul grind is the same like, what's a soul grind it's a specific trick yeah. which is where you go onto one side of the foot like that and then the other foot goes in front and then okay. you slide on an obstacle okay so uh, for me it's my like natural side is a right side yeah. so it's a grind Right. Um, but some people have their natural side on the left yeah. so they use the left foot and then the right foot in front and mm. it's like yeah right. it's like boxing you know southpaw and orthodox yes yeah. yes or like when you're skateboarding it's goofy and regular oh okay yeah so it's it's right. similar so you have your natural side and you have your switch side mm. um, where are some of the skate parks in Singapore right I only know of the one at um, skate is it skate no it's Somerset ah, Somerset yeah behind yeah. 313 right. so yeah. behind 313 there's one yeah. I guess that's quite um, it's quite famous in the sense that it's right in town mm. and you know if you're in town if you're in Somerset you'd pass by it yep um, I guess Singapore's biggest skate park is East Coast Extreme oh yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. so uh, surprisingly enough that's already 12 years old I believe oh okay so yeah it's I guess Singapore's best skate park in the sense that it's the biggest it's also international competition standard ready oh it is yeah oh. um so the general rollerblading community tends to go there every Tuesdays and Sundays. Mm-hmm. But I think now, if you go at any time, most of the time you'll see someone skating. Mm-hmm. Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, Tuesday evenings, mm-hmm. um, Saturdays as well, sometimes. So, you know, just if you see any rollerblader, most of them are really, really friendly. Mm-hmm. Just give a shout out, say hi. Yeah. 
and ask them, hey, could you teach me some stuff? And then they'd be more than happy. I've never met a rollerblader who has declined someone about their sport. And mm. I think it's also because the community is so small. Yeah. Anyone who wants to join is more than welcome to. We'd be yeah. like, hey, come on, come on, come on, I will teach you. Right. Yeah. So do most you, of the time, that's that's what happens. Do you guys like know each other? Like you say it's small, right? So Yeah. It's, it's so small that we kind of know everyone mm. who blades. I mean, of course, there are new people coming in and out and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, otherwise, most of the time when you go to the skate bar, you see the same old faces. Right. Not like old, there's old, yeah, no offense to the rest of them. <laughs> so if, if anyone wants to pick up rollerblading, mm-hmm. don't buy Decathlon skates. <laughs> As, okay, I will say that Decathlon has a huge variety of amazing products that everyone should buy. It's like, I'm, yeah. wearing, like, I'm stacked in Decathlon right now. Right. right? But like, if you want to get into specialized sports, I would not recommend because like Decathlon doesn't sell aggressive blades as well, ah, okay. right? So, would you need to learn how to rollerblade before you can do it aggressively? Definitely, mm-hmm. I think if you can't even stand on rollerblades, you can't be doing it on a pipe, yeah, on a vertical like on pipe as well and stand on the ramps. Yeah. So, so um, you're talking about like ramps and stuff, right? Yeah, like um, is it scary to go down? Like a pipe. Oh, definitely. I just remember the first time I, I tried, it took me like half an hour. Right, just to, to get down. Get the, over the edge. Yeah, just to get over the edge. Uh, yeah. Especially because like on rollerblades, you just stand on the middle of your feet because like that's where your hitch blocks are. Yeah. That's one of the grinding surfaces. Okay. So it's like you have a normal frame, right? You know how inline frames have like four wheels, yeah. like eight down? Yep. Or four down every on, on one side? Yeah. Um, in aggressive blading, when I started out, anti-rockers were like a whole craze. What's an anti-rocker? So, what that means is that you have two big wheels outside and two little wheels that are often made of plastic so that it's easier yeah. to grind and slide. Yeah. But they were much smaller. So, uh, only okay. two wheels were touching the floor. Yeah. Right? So, you feel very stuck on the ground but you also feel very stable. Yeah. So, in the middle of the whole setup, you'd have a little hitch block mm-hmm. which is like a little curved space for you to rest on a pipe. So, if uh, my hand okay. was the pipe, yeah. then you'd have a curve that oh, gets So, it's on easier like to grip onto the pipe. Yeah, well. basically. Right. But it's also really slidey. Mm. So you'd slide around and stuff like that. So yeah. um, for you to drop in on a quarter pipe, you'd have to stand on the edge like that. Yeah. And then you just have to tip yourself over. Right. And of course, the fear for a lot of people is that like, as you're going down, you lean back and then you fall and hit the back of your head. Oh, so okay. pad up, right? right? There's nothing not sexy about safety. Okay. So again, safety first. Mm. Pad up. Yeah. Invest in a good set of pads and a good helmet. Mm. And that will take you places. Right. I mean, I guess when aggressive inline first started out, it's uh, it's very counterculture. It's all about being tough, and you know, in the same image that skateboarders like to have. Mm, yep. And I guess a lot of other kind of underground subculture kind of sports, they they tend to like you know being portrayed that way. But I think uh, rollerblading, especially now, has sort of moved on because yeah. a lot of the bladers they still do it. We are now like, like 30, 40-year-old dads <laughs> who yeah. are going back into it. Yeah. And then they realise, oh man, I should have padded up a long time ago. Right. Yeah, so because the injuries catch up. Because the right? injuries do catch up, yeah. Especially yeah. when you're throwing yourself off of things and stuff like that. Yeah. So how did you get yourself over the edge? I just kind of did it, man. Yeah. Yeah. There really isn't that much of a... I don't know. I was told to just try and clear my mind. Yeah. I did say like, Bismillah and all of that. Yeah. And just kind of <laughs> tried to send it. Yeah. I guess I started off at the Bishan Dish, which is one of the other skate parks in Singapore. Right. Bishan Skate Park. Um, 
And that's like kind of like my home park in the sense that I tend to skate there the most other mm. than ECP, of course, because ECP is the best. Mm. But because Bishan is quite near my home, I, I tend to go there just for chill sessions with some friends and stuff like that. Mm. So I still remember. And like now looking back at the bowl, right, I don't even know what I was afraid of. Because <laughs> it really, yeah. it wasn't even a bowl. It was like a saucer and it's so shallow. So it's like like you can, you can drop in at an angle that's yeah. not straight and you could still just roll down. Right. But back when I first started, it was like Mount Everest. It was like Mount Everest. <laughs> so I guess, you know, when you look back at certain things, yeah. you, you realize that, hey, actually you've grown a lot. Right. But you don't feel it until you actually take a pause and reflect. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, another life lesson. <laughs> Holy shit. This, Who this episode is full of life lessons. Yeah, nah. It's, yeah. No, this episode is full of shit. <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> Alright, so I actually have a blading story on my own. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't a very enthusiastic blader. I only tried it for like a few weeks, I think. Yeah. So anyway, my father got me a pair of uh, blades, right? Then uh, we went to Malaysia, and there was a like a random skate park. Um, I think it was near Danga Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just uh like learning how to skate lah, like learning skate, skate, skate. Then I saw there was a ramp, so I had the bright idea right, of of thinking, oh, maybe I can start skating on the ramp. But instead of like starting from the top, right, I thought I could skate fast and go up the ramp. Mm-hmm. So I tried it, skate skate it. Then as I was going up the ramp, I fell down. Oh, shite. Yeah. That so, must have hurt. Yeah. So can you imagine like how stupid I looked and how stupid I felt? <laughs> oh, no. Nah. I mean, yeah. everyone has those moments, right? Like, yeah. I, it pains me to say this, but the, the number of times that I've landed a really difficult trick. Yeah. and felt super cool doing it yeah. only to stumble and fall because of a pebble on the ground after right. I finished the trick <sighs> it's <laughs> quite shameful uh. it's like too many to count uh. yeah. yeah and I, I guess that these things sort of humble you right because like yeah I quit would... after that but <laughs> <laughs> you were so humble you quit I guess yeah. it's like uh, this is for better people than me yeah. <laughs> nah I'm sure you could do it yeah. anyone can skate honestly can it's, it's it's yeah. I would argue that if you know how to skate, it's got the mm. lowest learning curve mm. in terms of like, it's it's the least, it's the least uh, steep. Yeah. It's easy to just be able to skate. Yeah. Yeah. But then to be able to be really good at it mm. would take quite a bit. That's a hard one. Yeah. yeah. So like you'd plateau quite early on. Mm, and right. then after that, like to, to go to up, up takes a lot, of, a lot of practice and a lot of hours. Right. Um... And once you add like flips and stuff, oh shit, that's <laughs> shit scary. I can only do one flip uh, and yeah. that's like a hand plant. So I, I go backwards and yeah. I can probably send you footage if you want to splice it in. Oh, okay. But uh, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a fakey hand plant thing that I do on a pipe. Uh, I, I think, think it looks cool. I, I think it looks cool too. Yeah. I haven't seen it but it probably does look cool. Before we go, how can people connect <laughs> going with you? already? Oh, I have man. so many stories to share. Right, what else do you want to share? Nothing. Ah, okay. That's good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so Too much footage. <laughs> Christ. Alright, so how can people connect with you online? Uh, don't. Don't? Alright. Yeah, uh, I'm kidding. You can reach out to me if you want to hear more stories or mm-hmm. get to know me. Yep. Which, again, I promise you is not that interesting, right? I'm just, I, I don't know. But, like, you know, if, if on the off chance you want to follow what I post on social media and again, yeah. it's all curated, right? So yeah. most of the time it's memes. Sometimes it's little snapshots of my life, mostly yeah. of my family and some of my hobbies. Mostly it's memes. Mostly memes, yeah. yeah. So if, if you're into that and if you're looking for that kind of uh, content, then mm. do give me a follow at 
at Nabil Jaswani. Mm-hmm. Um, or it might be Nabil Jaswani. I can't remember. I think it's Jaswani. Jaswani. Who's yeah. Jaswani? Or it's it's a reference to the one time that I filled in. Do you not know the story? No, no I don't know. What's, what's do we the story? do we have time to yeah, segue yeah, into sure. the story? What's, so, what's the story? So basically, um, this happened about a year plus ago. Yeah, I had written an email to Division mm-hmm. Logs to ask them for a new name tag. Yeah, that read Nabil Jasmani. Okay. Okay. For both my number three and my number four. Yeah. Your I uniforms. Had, eh? Yeah, for my uniform. So yeah. like the the formal looking fancy fancy one, and then the yeah. other normal smart normal four, one. which is the field dress that we wear. Yeah. So in both name tags, I wanted it to read Nabil Jasmani. Yeah. So I written the email and all of that, and multiple times, you know, just multiple correspondences back and mm-hmm. forth to tell them that hey, I really need these name tags. I don't have any name tags and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And when it finally arrived after four full months, yeah, the name tag read Nabil just Wani. <laughs> so it was J S W A N I, and I yeah. just lost it. <laughs> Yeah. Do you just use them or <laughs> do, you, so, do you still have them? <laughs> I still have them. I still have two of the name tags. So yeah. so the number so that's the thing, the number three name tag yeah. came perfectly fine as Nabil Jasmani, yeah. which is my actual father's name. Right. And I guess my name as well. Yeah. But the number four name tag read Nabil Jaswani. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't see why, first yeah. of all. I'm still <laughs> a bit pissed to this day. Right. But yeah, I guess I mean it's it's a funny story. I I still do have the name tags. It's on my rocking vest. Uh, yeah, okay. which is the vest I use to exercise. Yeah, right. which is a weighted vest. Right. Okay. Cool story, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, thank you, Nabil, for coming on this episode. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, hope to see you in the next episode. Am Bye-bye. I supposed to look at the camera too? Uh, sure, you can. And wave. Smile and wave, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Smile and wave. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Peace.